Are you a Dragon Boat athlete? Have you ever thought about joining a team? Hornet Water Sports makes high-performance, lightweight, carbon-fiber Dragon Boat paddles. You can choose from one of their many graphic designs. Don't settle for just a boring black paddle. I love their design so much that I have four different paddles. They also have all of the Dragon Boat accessories that you need, paddle bags, tip covers, tape, and more. Visit their website at hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK at checkout to receive 10% off of your order. That's hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK. Strokeside Designs is a New York-based fine jewelry company focused on water sports. This is the best jewelry I have found through many years of searching. I love my Dragon Boat Paddle Heart earrings and my pendant. The jewelers at Strokeside Designs have worked for famous jewelry houses such as Tiffany & Company and Cartier. All of the pieces are hand-finished from fine materials. Express your passion for kayaking, canoeing, and dragon boating. Visit PaddleJewelry.com and get free shipping with the code PINK. That is PaddleJewelry.com and enter the code PINK. My guest on this episode is my paternal cousin, Kim Afanador. She shares her experience with finding out that she has a BRCA2 mutation. She recalls hearing about my personal cancer experience, but was not told about the genetic mutation until 2017, which was 10 years after my own diagnosis. She opened up about her feelings of inheriting the gene from an absent father, as well as her decision to opt for a bilateral mastectomy. Take a listen in to Kim's story. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here today with my first cousin on the paternal side of my family, Kim Affendor. She is from Salem, Ohio, um, or lives in Salem, Ohio. And um, Kim was actually diagnosed with BRCA2 in June of 2017, and then had a prophylactic bilateral mastectomy in October of 2017. So she is a previvor, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about her story today. So Kim, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Oh, so am I. Thank you. Absolutely. So the last time we had seen each other, we were 15. Well, you were 15. <laughs> I wasn't 15. <laughs> um, but no. you were 15, and... Um, you know, at this point in time, you um, are 51. So it's been a little bit of time since we've seen each other or talked to each other, even though we're connected on Facebook. This is the first time I've heard your voice in um, that many years. Yes, it's a long time. <laughs> it definitely is, for sure. So, um, so you know, I, I feel like kind of I talked about this a little bit before we got started. I feel like this may end up being a pretty emotional conversation um, for the both of us. Uh, we both um, we both have the BRCA2 mutation from our the paternal side of our family. So you had found out that information in June of 2017. Tell me a little bit about how that even kind of came about, because I know, um, you know, that, that you kind of had a tough relationship with your dad. Um, so yes. tell me a little bit about, you know, how that all kind of came about. 
Well, Candy, um, our other cousin, one of our cousins, she had sent me a message and said, you need to be tested. And I said, for what exactly? Because I, I knew some of your story, but I didn't know all of it. And I honestly did not know that it was a um, genetic situation. And so when I went to see my gynecologist, I said to her, because Candy actually sent me your results, her results, um, and some other paperwork, and I took that with me. And my doctor did the test. And they said, oh, it'll be probably a good two or three weeks. We send it out from Ohio to California to the lab. And um, within about 10 days, I believe, I got the call. Um, They said it came back pretty fast that I was positive. And so was that phone call from your gynecologist's office? No, actually, it was from the lab in California. Oh, wow. Yes, I was very confused because I expected my doctor to receive the results, call me so I could go and speak with her. And um, when I got the call, you know, she had she told me who she was, where she was calling from. And it took me a few minutes to catch on to what she was saying to me because I was just kind of shocked. I wasn't expecting anything for weeks. And I said, so wait, are you saying I'm positive then? And She said, oh, yes, and we will be calling your doctor. You know, we're going to call them and send them the results. And here's the email address. You're going to have, you know, the results. You can print them. And for me, I was just kind of in shock because, you know, I was like, oh, okay. I didn't really know if I expected it to be positive. Well, and you weren't expecting the lab to call you. I honestly don't think that I've heard of anyone getting the results from the lab. I mean, it was my geneticist that had called me and told me that it was positive. So that's, I'm, I'm sure that you were shocked. I was completely. And she assured me it was 100% from the paternal side of the family. And I said, it would figure, you know, that that's where this would come from. So, um, yeah. So when I called my my doctor on Monday, because I received the results on a Friday, I called and, and her nurse said, oh, we were going to call you. But listen, we all kind of already knew, didn't we? Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> no How would I you didn't know? Already know? Right? Exactly. But I think it's just because for years I have, I had my first mammogram in my early 20s because I always had issues and it was never anything serious. It was just something that came pretty much once a month. Everything was kind of worse. And, you know, so um, I was just used to the mammograms and the issues and the pain and didn't really think anything of it. Wow. Well, and I, you know, you, um, again, we, we haven't talked in so long and um, for me, I had had issues as well, but many of my issues were um, with ovarian cysts, not necessarily connecting anything. And, you know, I did not know, I don't know if, if and when you even knew, but our grandmother had died from ovarian cancer, which is connected to the BRCA2 mutation. So I never made any kind of connection. So I can understand where you were in terms of like, oh, yeah, you know, I was just kind of used to the pain and, you know, it is whatever it was. Um, Exactly. Yes, because I did not meet my father until I was 15 when I met him. And 
your parents' house was one of the first places he brought me to. So you were one of my first cousins that I Yay! ever got to, to meet. <laughs> so, so, you know, I was excited about that. Um, so, no, it took me a little longer to play catch up with the family to find out. And I still don't know everything. Right. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, I, I feel like I have a thousand questions spinning around in my head and I'm not really even quite sure where to start. Um, but I guess, you know, so were you, were you continuing to get mammograms from the time that you were 20 or did you just kind of have that as a baseline and then they were like, you know, you don't need to come back or, you know, what was kind of going on with that? Well, I actually, I had a doctor tell me I probably was maybe 20 or 21 and she was not my regular doctor. And this is where it started with the mammograms because I had, I had a lot of pain. So one of my family members on my mother's side said, Oh, you should go see, you know, my doctor. She's really good. She looked at me. She gave me an exam. She said, you have breast cancer. I said, Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. I was, I was like 20 or 21 years old. I said, could we maybe do a test? You know, is there, there has to be something that, you know, to confirm this. And then when I, I called my doctors and they said, just whenever you can get me in, because this woman is telling me I have breast cancer and I'm terrified. And so they, they got me in pretty quickly after that. And um, that's when I had gotten my first ever mammogram, which was quite painful. Um, but, you know, I, I was glad I did it because my doctors, they said, no, absolutely not. And, you know, they did all these tests. And so there was every... I want to say I went about every five or six years. And then once I hit 35, I believe, yes, I was about 35, I started getting them yearly. Okay. But nothing had ever popped up um, as being of concern? Or were there times where you had, you know, any additional well, kind of testing for anything that came up? Right. Well, I had the lumps. I mean, I always had, but they always said that they, these were not, you know, cancerous lumps. They were not, you know, cut back on your caffeine. Um, They would tell me things because I would usually have to have a um, mammogram and then an ultrasound right after. And that was always very unpleasant for me. So I never looked forward to it, but because in my mind, I kept thinking, well, they're not really finding anything. So why are they torturing me? Right. But I still, you know, I still did it because, um, I would rather be tortured and find out that there's a problem than not. And, you know, so I, I was, um, like I said, when I found out of your information, I was, I was surprised. Right. Yeah. And so, so you met your dad when you were 15. Did you, it, it doesn't sound like you kind of continued that relationship. Uh, it was an on and off okay. uh, kind of thing. Um, the first weekend, my mom, my mom let me stay with him. He kind of forgot I was there, um, and didn't oh, no. come home for the whole weekend. So yeah, it was it was not pleasant. And not to mention that if I would answer the phone at his house, um, somebody would be calling. I would get a million questions: Who are you? Why are you there? Um, it was it was really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So so you really didn't have a whole lot of information in terms of our family history. No, no, very little. And like I said, I had, um, you know, Candy told me, and that was just, I mean, three years ago, almost three years ago, yeah. I, I had heard um, 
someone, I, I cannot tell you who, around 2007, I had been told that you had breast cancer. So I knew that you had the breast cancer. I just did not know the circumstances or that it was genetic. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I know, you know, I, I was tested. Um, and again, you know, I have a very limited relationship. I think things have gotten better. I've, you know, reconnected with some of the family, but um, I've never, I guess since, since uh, my, our grandparents had passed away um, and I was, I think in the fifth grade when um, our grandmother passed away. So after that, you know, I, we didn't really kind of have a continuing relationship with the paternal side of our family. Um, but I saw them at a wedding and I had shared with them that, you know, I have this genetic mutation. I think it's really important that you get tested. And I don't know that that ever went anywhere, quite honestly. Um, I think our cousin Dennis had gone and, you know, he had his testing done and, Mm -hmm. you know, that was pretty immediate, but that was because he and I were still in a close relationship. You know, we still had a, a relationship, whereas I didn't have a relationship with a lot of our other cousins. Right. So, you know, right. for it to take 10 years, though, <laughs> um, and maybe yeah. maybe it wasn't 10 years. Actually, maybe it was, you know what? In fact, I know it was absolutely um, 2008 that I shared that information um, at a wedding. Um, and but it but for it to take nine years to get to you just kind of breaks my heart. Well, it really broke my heart, too, because, I mean, I have children and, um, you know, this would have been information that I would have loved to have shared with them prior to them having children, Um, you know, because I think that that is really important information to know. And um, I I know the wedding you're you're speaking of um, because (laughs) I I actually was there. I I don't know how we did not run into each other. Um, So I think I avoided everybody. (laughs) It really is upsetting, you know, again, nine years from that time until I found out. And, um, you know, but it it was, I guess I shouldn't be too awful surprised. There are probably a lot of people in the family on that side who still have no idea who I am. Um, At my father's funeral, I think I had told you, um, you know, I was kind of shoved in a corner and even had people saying to me, oh my goodness, I didn't even know he had a daughter. Well, gee, thank <laughs> That was great to know on the day of his funeral, you know, right. um, getting the, you know, the stairs and just always feeling like their dirty secret, you know, right. That's just how it always made me feel. Oh, and that, I mean, I, not all of them. <laughs> right. Right. But enough, enough. Exactly. So I'm going to go back a little bit and talk about, um, you know, the, the feelings that you were having when you found out that you were BRCA2. And, um, you know, for me, and this is probably where I'm going to start to get emotional. Um, for me, I remember that day very vividly. Um, and so I'm just kind of curious what your feelings were, um, just having a, an absent father, um, that, you know, now you're finding out that this is coming from that person. So what were your feelings around that? I was so angry. I when I got off of the phone with the lab, I threw my phone across the room. Uh, I will never ever forget it. Um, and I started to scream. I was so mad. I was just so very upset um, because I thought, you know, so many people think 
I'm not even related to them, but I, I mean, is this what I had to have happen to prove that I'm actually a part of your family? You know, it just made me so angry. And then I, I called one of my cousins on my mom's side and I cried and I thought, you know, what am I going to, what, what am I going to do? But then, I mean, I knew, I already knew my plans going forward. It was just the shock of having someone say that, yes, this is what you have. Yeah. Um, I was, I just really, I, I wanted to just, I wanted to go to his grave and yell at him or, you know, just anybody in the family. I just wanted to say, you know, you've denied me my whole life. And now thank you so very much for your terrible genes, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> thank you. I greatly appreciate the fact that I have your awful genes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can I can um appreciate that. And I think, you know, for me, um that uh biological uh, father, I hate to use those words, um he still is alive. Um yes. you know, but for you, you know, he had um you know, your dad had passed away um several several years prior to that, correct? He passed in September of 2012. Okay. And um, it, it's very difficult because anything I ever wanted with him, I will never have. The relationship I prayed my whole life for, I will never get that. Um, and it just didn't seem to matter. You know, it's always somebody else was first. And, you know, as I got older and I understood these things a little better, I just kind of, but it all came rushing back to me. Um, yeah. You know, his funeral again that day, just everything. It was very overwhelming. And I mean, I don't know what's worse that he's gone or if he were still here. I'm not, I'm not sure. Right. Right. You know, how I feel. So. Yeah, but. absolutely. I mean, and that's the, you know, that's I, the feelings that are around that. Um, I mean, it's hard enough when you get a BRCA2 um you know, or I mean, it, having anything, I'm sure that is that life altering is hard. But when it comes from, you know, um, somebody who's never really been a part of your life or has denied you, um, you know, and I kind of have that same experience where, you know, it wasn't, you know, people knew we existed, <laughs> you know, it was kind of hard not right. to, um, you know, they, um, my mom was married to him for a period of time, um, you know, when I was very young. So they knew that we existed and we were there and, you know, we were a part of that, that life um, for a very short period of my life, but still by the same token, very much um, denied. And, you know, I had sought out kind of the same way that you had did, um, had done, you know, I sought to have a relationship with him. You know, I wanted to, mm -hmm. you know, know who this person was and I wanted to be a part of his life. And, you know, but, you know, every single time that that, um, you know, that I, that that happened, I was denied. I really remember sitting on my front porch. Um, I think I was like five and I would just sit and I never went out to play. I would just sit and wait, mm -hmm. wait for him to come and pick me up, to take me and to be, you know, this person that I knew was my father. Um, but he never came. Right. He never came. So you know, I can totally appreciate the feelings that you had when you received that diagnosis because I was pretty much the same. 
Well, and with my situation with um, with my father, um, he knew I my mother had married um, while she was pregnant with me. My I don't know all of the details. I know that my mother and father had to go to a I believe it was called an orphan's court in Pittsburgh, and it cost four dollars to pretty much sign me away. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, I found those papers in my my grandpa's box after he had passed in December of 2012, and so I was not real happy when I located that paper. I was just really four dollars. Wow! And I imagine in 1968 it was probably a lot of money. I don't know, um, but you know, my mother's husband, who she married at five months pregnant with me turned out to be the worst thing that I I could have ever experienced for basically 16 years of my life. And my father knew when I found him, we talked at length about the abuse that I was suffering. And he would say, I'm going to get you out of there. I will get, and he never, so it's kind of like sitting on the porch and waiting for him to show up. And I, would sit and cry and say, why am I not good enough? Why are you not yeah. coming and helping me? You're supposed to save me. Right. <laughs> You're my father, you know, so I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, and I, you know, I, I am thankful that I had the opposite experience. Um, my one and only dad um, is, you know, genuinely my knight in shining armor. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm sorry that you had that experience in addition to, you know, having, the denial from your father. So, you know, I love you, dad. <laughs> I love Uncle Joe. I love Aunt Kathy. They will always be Aunt Kathy and Uncle Kathy. <laughs> Absolutely. They are. Always. Yes. They have the biggest hearts um, and they are amazing. So, you know, thankfully for them, um, you know, I, I quickly learned that I wasn't going to have a relationship, but it's still, it's still burnt, you know, pretty significantly when I found out that it came from him. Um, It just proved that I wasn't actually, um, you know, that Phil wasn't actually my biological father because I was pretty convinced that he was. (laughs) Um, I understand why. (laughs) So, you know, from all of this, then you opted to go and um, have a bilateral mastectomy. So, you know, how did that decision kind of come about for you? Well, you know, I went and I, I saw my surgeon. I, you know, saw my gynecologist again. They sent me to a geneticist. Um, everyone I saw, they sent me to an oncologist. They, with the family history, um, with my own um, medical history, I have a lot of things, you know, going on. They just felt it was just a matter of time. It was kind of like a ticking time bomb. And they, you know, they said, you know, we're going to leave this up to you, but do you want to do something now or do you want to wait? And it's okay. absolutely not. I don't have the time to wait. I need right. to just I make sure I take it out before it gets a chance to take me out. So right. that was my thought process. Yeah. And they say that, um, you know, it's about 10 years, you know, from the last person that was diagnosed. Um, it's typically about 10 years earlier. So I know, um, And I don't know exactly how all of that works. Um, You know, I know that our grandmother, I believe she was in her 70s when she was diagnosed. Um, The my biological father does not have cancer as far as I'm aware of. um, So I don't know what that would look like. And then I know that our cousin Connie, I believe she was diagnosed in her 40s. And then I was 30 when I was diagnosed. So. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So I know that they say it's typically about 10 years earlier, um, 
you know, so I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, didn't have the diagnosis, but it's still just as um, devastating to know that that's a possibility. I mean, I, I obviously don't know, but I anticipate that it would be just as devastating. I believe it would. I I mean, just thinking it's, it's, you know, tomorrow is a year that I lost my mother. Um, She had lung cancer that spread to her brain and just those last months of her, her life, knowing that any moment she could be gone. I, I wouldn't want to put my family through that. I wouldn't want anyone to be thinking, Oh gosh, it's today the day, um, you know, that that's going to happen. And so I just thought, you know what, let's get out ahead of this. That's what my doctors had suggested. And um, along with the mastectomy, I also opted to remain flat, which it has been um, a little bit of a struggle in itself. Not that I regret that decision. I'm quite comfortable. It is getting the doctors to understand that that's my decision. Yeah. And they weren't really on board with that um, cosmetic reasons or, you know, you really should probably know. I know what I want. I can't, my body cannot go through any more surgeries than necessary. So good for I'm you. happy with my decision. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I mean, really good for you to be your own self-advocate and to stand tall, um, you know, against what was being recommended, um, you know, because, I hear that often, you know, where it's, well, you know, that's not the recommendation, you know, and for me, it wasn't even a discussion, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't on the menu. It wasn't, you know, presented as an option. I didn't know that people did that. You know, I thought that (laughs) I thought everybody got reconstructed. I really did. I mean, that's how, that's how naive I was. Um, you know, so really, you know, good for you to, to just kind of push back and say, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Exactly. And I mean, maybe 20, 30 years ago, I may have thought differently, but you know, I, like I said, I'm I'm quite comfortable. I have no regrets, zero regrets. I quite enjoy not having to wear a bra anymore. It is (laughs) freeing actually. (laughs) quite free. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, so, you know, we had talked a little bit about your family. Um, so has anybody else been tested? My middle daughter, um, she just turned 30 in December. She was actually tested. I actually wrote it down here. She was tested sometime in, I want to say July or August of 2017, because she received her positive results on August 18th. Um, of 2017. And so she has had uh, biopsies. Um, She tested positive actually for two other unidentified cancer genes um, that they were just, the doctor told her, you know, they'll find maybe, they don't know how long it'll take before they find out what exactly they are. But um, she's been a little stubborn and um, dragging her feet since she had the uh, MRI-guided biopsy um, of her left breast. And, um, you know, I I, I continue to stay on her to just, um, you know, be tested or not tested. I'm sorry, she's already been tested. So be in contact with her doctors and, um, you know, do what you have to do. But that's her choice to make. You know, I can't push her but as her mom I you know I find it my job to you know say hey listen do this yeah (laughs) you know sure I I don't want to lose 
one of my children. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's, I found that it's all in everybody's own timing. Um, unfortunately, you know, we, we kind of know from our perspectives where we sit, um, you know, at least we think, you know, this is, if we were that person, this is what we would do. Um, you know, but there is so much that goes into making those kinds of decisions. And, um, you know, for, for some of us, it's, you know, forced upon us. Um, you know, and I could say, you know, in, in hindsight, this is what I would do, but I don't really know. Um, you know, and I don't know, I mean, she's, she's pretty young still. Um, so that's a pretty hefty decision. And, um, you know, I'm sure that she'll come to that decision when it's, you know, time for her. Um, you know, but I can definitely understand as mom, you know, to stay on top of her too. <laughs> well, I keep telling her I need her to be around. So, you know, at least just do a yearly checkup. I mean, she works yeah. a lot. So, you know, I think, I think it's just something she honestly has not really truly accepted. Sure. Um, you know, and she's kind of been, she's seen you know, my struggles. And unfortunately, I have other hereditary issues that came from my mother's side as well. So I keep saying to her, I have no idea what I've passed on to you. I apologize in <laughs> advance. I don't know. <laughs> These crazy folks want to, you know, just give me all their bad stuff. But hey, you know, I'm doing what I can do with it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And really, that's all that we can do is, you know, just do the best that we can with it. And, you know, can I hope for the best? And, you know, take whatever course of action um, is appropriate for ourselves. Exactly. Well, sadly, our time <laughs> for the episode, no. I know, has come to an end. Um, but I really want to thank you so much for um, spending your time with me. It's so nice to hear your voice, even after all of these years. And, um, you know, even though it's been you know, not the best thing about our lives that kind of brought us back together. Um, I always feel like there are many, many blessings that I've experienced through my diagnosis. And one of them I would say is reconnecting with you. Oh, and I agree. So I, and I just want to keep our connection together. I, yes. I've missed you so much. <laughs> it's making yes. me so emotional. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I, you know, <laughs> It's all right. Um, I feel the exact same. And, um, you know, I, I know that uh, there are people out there that can relate to our stories, um, you know, that maybe they don't have a connection with either the maternal or the paternal side of their family, and yet, um, you know, have had a diagnosis of a genetic mutation, um, you know, that really kind of altered their lives. So I think this is a great episode. And again, I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at BehindThePinkRibbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit 
design by acc.com.